School of Humans. Hello, this is a show where we talk about death, dying, and dead bodies. It can get explicit, so you've been warned. But if you've made it this far, enjoy Cadaver Gals. Cadaver Gals. Cadaver Gals. Hello, all of you cadaver babes. Welcome to another episode of Cadaver Gals, where three friends talk about death and dying and other random ass shit. I'm Taylor. I'm Gabby. I'm Nika. And this is Cadaver Gals. Cadaver Gals. Cadaver. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we're going to talk about a Joshua Tree vacation that went wrong, the dangers of cluster ballooning, and the mystery of a man who is missing for 27 years. Nika, do you want to tell us about the desert and how deserts can sometimes involve death? Yeah, you know, desert and death is actually very common. (laughs) So glad you brought that up, Taylor. Yes. Okay. So I was in Joshua Tree, I think two weeks ago now, or it's been a week, two weeks, I don't know. And it was my first time there. The desert actually really scared me. It was amazing. It was beautiful. I was blown away by it. But honestly, it's super quiet and it's eerie and it's so static. Like everything is so still and it freaked me out. And while we were driving there, I had a panic attack driving at night because I think I was tired and hungry and in a bad mood. And then the desert was going and we were playing like weird tracks where I'm like, <laughs> like from some random movie. And I was like, ah, I need Cardi B. And so we played Cardi B the rest of the way. But this isn't about me. So for listeners who don't know, Joshua Tree is a national park in San Bernardino, California. Yeah, I had to do the accent. It is around 800,000 acres of the Mojave Desert and the Colorado Desert. Something that shocked me about the desert is, one, how big it was. And there's this like highway that runs through it. And once you start hiking and you lose sight of the road or your car, I realized how easy it is to get lost. It's kind of like a maze in a way where once you get lost, it's really hard to get out. And I, when we were hiking, we did the dumb ass thing and hiked in like 100 degree heat at like 11 a.m., And I, at one point, did get kind of panicked and was like, I'm going the right way, despite like not not leaving the trail, like staying right on the directions. And it was just a three mile hike, but I still got a little bit panicked. So when I came back home and I was researching for this story, I was like, let's see if people have died here. Of course they have. Everyone dies everywhere. Mm -hmm. People be dying all over the place. They really do. Mm -hmm. They really do. So my story is about these two young people. This is a really sad story, just FYI. Um, They were in their 20s, Rachel Nguyen and Joseph Orbeso. They were from Southern California. And Rachel, according to her family, was super adventurous and beautiful and bright. And she had just turned 20 and she wanted to go hiking in Joshua Tree. She had previously gone before. Um, Both of them had. And so for her birthday, she was like, hey, Joseph, let's go to Joshua Tree and just like spend a day there hiking. And that's what they had planned to do. So on July 27th, early in the morning, they left their Airbnb to go hiking. They were fully prepared with food, water, and supplies, which, again, reading about their experience, I'm like, okay, I was extremely underprepared and also did not take this as seriously as I should have. Thank God nothing happened, but whatever. And Joseph actually ended up bringing a gun, which, according to his family, he worked in security. And so he owned a gun. He brought it around for protection. There are a lot of 
wild animals in Joshua Tree. We saw like a horned sheep while we were hiking and it and it can't get scary like they're big and you know you never know um so i don't judge him a lot necessarily on the gun but it does come into play later dun 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 but also horned sheep that's usually a form that satan takes mm-hmm. so you might have seen the devil when you were out there in joshua tree stop he looks so cute he was just eating <laughs> Yeah, the devil sneaks up the on you as a adorable, you guys. The devil is cute. Anyway. <laughs> so, um they were only going to hike for the day and I know this because they were expecting to check out the morning after in their Airbnb. So they parked their car and the trail that they were using was a really common trail that people hike all the time called the Maze Loop. It's 4.8 miles total. It's like a circle essentially. And it's mostly level and I looked online and according to a lot of sources, it's a very easy introductory hike like obviously don't ever hike when the temperatures are super high and just be careful and take water but they were prepared and it's not a crazy hike so they went on their hike and they ended up never coming back to their rental car they were reported missing by the airbnb host after they missed their checkout time the next day and then park services they kind of put together a search team and for a whole month, there was a 250-person search team with canine units and drones. And Taylor, you're going to love this. Horse units, which are actually called mounted search and rescue. And Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm, the horse, they were put to work. Everyone was looking for them. Actually, 10 people got injured while looking for them. And then the park service was like, okay, we've put a lot of resources into this for a month. We still haven't found them. We need to, like, dial this down. But Joseph's dad still kept looking for them, like, on weekends or with volunteer search and rescue teams, basically. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until October that Joseph's dad found them and they were in a more secluded area of the park, actually pretty near the trail under a tree, embracing both with gunshot wounds. And Rachel <laughs> had a head injury, um, so her head was wrapped in Joseph's T-shirt and they basically had run out of water and they were rationing food and that's how Joseph's dad found him. They were close to the trail. How were they not found? I don't. That's my. Okay. That is <clears throat> so confusing to me. I don't know. They were, were missing for three months. Like it is. That's so weird. Isn't it so crazy? And, you know, I understand like it's a really confusing, disorienting place. I can get why someone could panic and just not find where to go. But I was looking at the trail and people say it's it's pretty clear marked and whatever isn't marked. There's like trail markers that you can follow. I just can't even imagine the kind of like one panic that these people must have gone through once they realized they were lost. And and then two, obviously like the devastation of the dad finding his son. Finally, it's a really, really sad story and weird too, because it was gunshot wounds that, you know, was like the cause of death. So did they, did they both get shot in the head? Yeah, so yeah, so detectives were called to the scene because it was a gunshot wound, obviously, and they didn't find any evidence of foul play. They basically figured that it was a mercy killing. So Joseph shot Rachel probably after she she hit her head and they realized that it was kind of hopeless and then shot himself. And that's how they found them with like the gun nearby. Mm-hmm. The gun was registered under his name and I mean, there's no, we're never going to know the reason why this happened, obviously, but there's no animosity between families. Like, they believe that it was kind of more of a quick death and they uh, ruled it a murder-suicide. Dang, that's intense. And they were hugging? 
Yeah, they were found embracing. I know. It's really, really sad. And everyone called them a couple, but they actually weren't. They were just friends. Yeah, that's so sad. Thanks for bringing us down. I'm like, no, I'm just horrified. It's a podcast about dying, so it's pretty sad. Yeah. (laughs) I just, my big thing is I don't know how a family-friendly, pretty clear trail turned into this, where it was like a missing person for three months. That is so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think the trail I did, which was to an oasis, and it was like rocky and you had to like climb some mountains and stuff, was was probably more risky at that at that point. And I'm just like looking back and I'm like, oh my God, like it's a really scary, like I did not realize. I think because I have friends who gave me psychedelics who were like, take these while in Joshua Tree. I was like, absolutely not. Like I am not prepared to die. They were like, but the stars, I was like, I'm not taking my chances. Absolutely not. Because I went and once I was in the desert, I was like, oh no, this is this is not something to play around with. Thank you for that wonderful story, Nika. It's very sad. And everybody, be sure if you're going um, if you're going hiking, bring a lot of water and supplies and try and find your way back. Okay. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Cadaver Gals. We just heard a story from Nika who... Um, recently went to Joshua Tree. She really brought us down by a death there. <laughs> so, <laughs> Gabby, by a it's death. your chance. It's your chance to bring us down with balloons. Balloons are generally perceived to be a positive and happy thing. They're an um, upper. So they go up. Yeah, Gabby, make us feel better. So how are you going to bring us down with this one? You know, well, I'm going to bring y'all down because that's exactly what happened to this bro. He was up in the sky with some balloons and then he came down into the ground. Well, technically the ocean. (laughs) Oh, no. So this is the story of Adelaide Antonio de Carli. He was a priest and he was also known as the father of balloons because one of his passions, one of his pastimes was cluster ballooning. I guess I should be specific that his hobby was skydiving, but he had recently gotten into oh. cluster ballooning, which is where you literally just attach helium balloons to yourself or a harness or a chair or whatever, and then you ascend into the sky looking like a clown, basically. How does one get into that? Like, I just like imagine, you know, somebody's like drunk or something. They're like, oh, let's, we have this helium. Let's like try and float away. But like, I don't imagine a priest doing this. Like, how does one get into I it? I really like the concept of priests getting into things. Like they're not just <laughs> priests. They have hobbies. That's really sweet. Also, is cluster ballooning not what that old guy from Up did? Yes, exactly. That is, he is a cluster balloonist as well. Um, and his harness was his house. So mm. he probably had a lot of balloons, even like a fictional amount of balloons. I don't know. But that was a documentary. <laughs> I think Up was a documentary for sure. Yeah, it was. That's why I was so sad at the start. Yeah, this most sentimental documentary you've ever seen. People have been cluster ballooning for a long time. And can you believe it? It's mostly dudes. And most of them weren't drunk. But I mean, with this priest, I don't know, maybe if the first time he did it, he was drunk because sometimes you can have too much blood of Christ and just get... The whole, yeah, the holy wine, you know? You can get a little wild, but it's a thing. And my favorite story is there's this this guy who's in the Los Angeles area. He was just basically chilling in his yard and in, in, in his lawn chair and he had attached 
40 helium balloons and he was like thinking like okay maybe i'll go up into the air a few hundred feet and then i can start popping them and just like safely land but alas he actually got up to sixteen thousand feet <laughs> oh my god that's high yeah that's kind of that's an, really high that's an oh fuck right there you're like i did something wrong with my life to end up in this position but then he eventually, they started, once it gets up pretty high, they start popping because of the atmosphere. So he fell to the ground and he landed in a bunch of power lines. Oh my. But he was fine. But then he was just fined thousands of dollars by the Federal Aviation Agency because that's technically a flying device that you need mm-hmm. to register. So if you're oh going to be a cluster God. balloonist, so make sure you... Make sure you register. Call up the FAA and be like, yo, I'm going to do some cluster ballooning. And they'll be like, okay, don't run into any airplanes. Because that would be, can you imagine being in an airplane and just like, you're like, what the fuck? Seeing a dude in lawn chair? (laughs) Yeah. Floating by? It's like, what the hell? I imagine he had a can of beer with him, though. I hope so. Like, (laughs) Bud Light or something. Like, I'm imagining, like... You know, there's there's all kinds of lawn chairs, right? But I'm um, I'm very specifically imagining, like, you know, the white one's got, yeah. like, a little bit of rust on oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's, like, white, and then it has, like, the blue, like, stitching, and yeah. it's, like, woven with, like, the wide weave. Yeah, yeah, Helium yeah. balloons are expensive. I don't know why people are spending money to cluster balloon. <laughs> well, I mean, we all know right now that there's a helium shortage, so that's true. But this guy... He was, well, this lawn chair Larry guy in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. This was in 1982, so I think helium might have been more readily available. So mm-hmm. it might have been a cheaper endeavor, you know? Before the millennials came in and started sucking all the helium. Exactly. The millennials you know. were out of control. <laughs> I assume it was us millennials. Well, I'm going to get back to this man so we can honor him and his death. So this yes, is yes. DeCarly. He was a priest, and he was trying to base he was trying to raise money because he lived on the coast of Brazil and he wanted to raise money to make a basically a truck stop that also had a chapel on it so a holy truck stop for oh, St. Nice. Christopher so that all the truckers who are basically taking away goods from the ports and driving them into the country could have somewhere to get down and pray so he was trying to raise money for them and then he was also going to try to break a Guinness book of world records by I believe he was trying to go the longest you can go on a cluster balloon flight. Not necessarily the highest, but the longest. I mean, I guess it depends on like the weight distribution, but I'm like, like, did he do the math of like, okay, I need X amount of balloons for my weight to get to X height to then coast rather than, you know, fly out of control. And then you also have to take into account like the wind. This is a lot of math. There is a lot of math. I mean, the thing is, he did a test flight before he did his flight that was supposed to be the big money raiser run one. And he ended up, did not going the direction he was intending to, but ended up floating all the way over to Argentina and then descended over there. He, he, went, he flew to another country? Yeah. You know, it's pretty, it's there. It's nearby. We're in yeah, South but- America. There's countries that are next to each other. Um, I know geography. <laughs> But he had done a test flight, had flown over there, but he was trying to go 450 miles northwest, still in Brazil. 450 miles? Yeah, that was his intention. But then there, some bad things kind of ended up happening. He, oh, no. Oh, no. So the, the day came. It was in April 2008 mm-hmm. when he was going to do his flight. And there's you know, a bunch of people who gathered. They were really excited to see the balloon priest yeah. ascend into the sky and 
do this marvelous thing. But the thing is, like, once he had taken off, he realized that his GPS, he didn't know how to use his GPS system because uh, he <laughs> okay. had he had a new GPS system that he wasn't familiar with. So that's, you know, one issue when you're in the sky. You don't exactly know which way you're going because there's lots of shit going on. There's lots of air and you know wind and clouds and weather shits up there in the sky, you know. Um, so that I mean, was kind of just like the desert. The sky is also a very disorienting place. Exactly. Yeah. It's very similar yeah. to the desert, the sky. The sky is just the northern desert. <laughs> it's just the desert that's above you, you know? So the problem was also that he, once he ascended, <laughs> he ascended. I feel like we're, we already have a bunch of problems that are... There's a lot of things that are happening. He actually ended up getting up to 19,700 feet. That which is so is dangerous. Very high up, very cold. He was wearing a cool outfit... You know, lots of layers. He had some snacks. He had some water. But it was cold as fuck. Comparatively, airplanes, like doing international flights, get up to like 31,000 feet. So he wasn't airplane height, but he was was getting there. there. He was finna be there. He was That was the zone in which the airplane Wi-Fi is working, you know, Mm, at 19,000 feet. Where you can move about the cabin. Yeah, he could move about the cabin. (laughs) (laughs) So here's DeCarly. He's going through the sky he's like oh fuck this isn't going exactly right and so he was keeping in contact with people on the ground and the last time someone heard from him they think he was saying shit the ocean's right there i'm going the (gasps) wrong way oh my god oh no so did he he had like a walkie-talkie or something yeah i think he was radioing down there or not actually i think he had a cell phone so yeah that's the thing about brazil is it's right next to the ocean so here's one little piece of advice that I've actually read on a cluster ballooning website because there are people who are very anal retentive about how you should cluster balloon, which makes sense because it seems very dangerous. But mm-hmm. usually they suggest your starting point to not be near an ocean. So just food for thought for any of you people out there trying to do this as a fun activity. So he would disappear. They sent out search parties. They first went south. They looked around. They went to this one small town and the chief of firefighting who was helping with the search and rescue actually found some balloons that had washed up on shore. And there were several oh, other yeah. search parties that had also seen balloons wash up on shore. But then for a couple months, like they just couldn't they couldn't find him. They couldn't find his body. They couldn't find his harness. They couldn't find any other personal items except for some of these balloons until finally a couple months later in july uh remember he had taken off in april there was this oil barge that had gone out into the ocean just doing whatever oil people do they came across a pair of legs Ooh! oh no which is you know that's a spooky thing to find out in the middle of the ocean and Mm -hmm. they pulled them out and they eventually were able to id those legs as decarly They never found his top half? I never found an article that referenced finding his top half. The cool thing about this, though, was he did technically get a world record because he went up the highest anyone had ever gone. But what I found was really rude was that a month after he had been missing, some other cluster balloonist was also trying to break a Guinness Book of World Records. And I was really upset to think that the community 
of international cluster balloonists were not sensitive enough to DeCarly's disappearance to not try to break a world record until they had found him. Okay. Yeah, like give it some time. Jeez. I know. What is the rush? That is so rude. It's very rude. What you were describing, Gabby, was just like horror movie vignettes. Like you have the balloon floating into the ocean and like washing up ashore. Do you have the legs? Like, I'm so sorry, but that's literally terrifying. There should be a horror doc about cluster balloonists and all of the people that have died doing it. Well, here's the thing, though, is this didn't obviously make people stop cluster ballooning. People still be Mm -hmm. doing this. And as recently as a couple years ago, there are these dudes up in Canada who are trying to cluster balloon. And they were doing it also without a permit because you need a permit to tell the people in the sky that you're going to be up there. Um, So once they they only went up a few hundred feet, but once they came down from there, they got arrested for the very Canadian charge. They got arrested for mischief. (laughs) I want to be arrested for mischief. What do I have to do? I love Canada. I don't think there is quite the um, quite the charge here. Yeah. There's like you can get charged in Canada for mischief and tomfoolery and shenanigans. <laughs> shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. I, you know, one of my favorite takeaways is that you can get um, charged with mischief in Canada. And the other takeaway for me is that if you're going to go cluster ballooning, is to please get a permit and also know your GPS. How to use your GPS. Yeah, and start in the middle. You know, go to one and of those. And don't start near a, a body of water. Yeah, go somewhere like right in the middle, like Oklahoma. That's go a to good a place. Anyway, Taylor, you got a chill-ass story, and we're like super ready for it. So this is a story about Joseph Schecksneider. Just so you get to know a little bit about Joseph, he was described by many people as a nice young man. Um, was prone to running off like I, one of the one of the things that i found really weird or straight <laughs> yeah he, he he you know he was a nice everybody thought he was nice like a lot of people met him because he was like all over the place and so I, because he was prone to running off he was prone to running <laughs> off yeah like how far off would he run okay so the first time he ran away he was 10 years old he dropped out of high school in ninth grade and he eventually joined the National Guard. He was discharged on medical leave. And he joined the circus even at one point. Of course. So he was prone to just go somewhere. Just He'd just leave. That's just kind of who he was. But like everyone described him as nice. Like they don't, there was nothing like really specific about him. They were like, he was really quiet. And like the moral of the story is, is that like he would go, he would just go places and kind of drop off the face of the earth. So no one re- There was never really one person who always knew where he was. He never really checked in with anyone. He had family that loved him, but they didn't see him that much. And January of 1984 was the last time this family ever saw him. They were super worried about him, but they also just didn't know if, you know, he was off at the circus or something again. Um, And it was, they did find out that he was wanted for possessing a stolen vehicle. So that's really when kind of like he went missing because, you know, he was, Um, He didn't show up to court. And so that's really about the time that they were like, okay, dude's missing. We have no idea where he is, but he's probably just be bopping around somewhere. We just can't find him. So fast forward to May of 2011. We're in Louisiana 
and a bank begins the renovations to add on more offices. Uh, there was an upstairs and it had a fireplace. So there's there's no need for a functioning fireplace in a bank. Like all of your, you don't want your, nobody wants their money going up in flames, I guess. I, I don't know. I would trust my bank more if as I sit down to talk to my banker, there's like a crackling fireplace nearby. There's hot chocolate being given to me. <laughs> okay. They say yes to my loan for a horse for Taylor. Like I, that's the, I would trust a bank more if they had that, but continue. (laughs) Duly noted. Okay. So as they're tearing down the fireplace and subsequently the chimney, the workers there saw some fabric. So they like tugged on it to, you know, unclog the chimney and what comes down, but the fabric, which turned out to be clothes and a skeleton. Oh (gasps) no. Yes. So they did a DNA test, which identified the remains as poor Joseph Sheck Snyder. And he was missing for 27 years. That's a long time. It was found in a chimney. How did he end up in this chimney? Okay. I knew knew you were going to ask that. That (laughs) Naturally. Such a good question. You just know us so well. You know where we're going. Yeah. Okay. It's almost as if this podcast is about how people die. Yeah. So, Okay. So the remains, um, with the remains, it appeared that he was wearing a yellow long sleeve shirt, jeans, and blue tennis shoes. And this is, this is kind of like my favorite detail, uh, jockey shorts with his name printed on the waistband, which I just think is really, no, does, do people still do that? I don't know. That's very primary school of him. So there was also, they also found with him a magazine gloves and they found his wallet which had a copy of his birth certificate, social security card, and some pictures. So there appeared to be no evidence of trauma on the bones, so they d- they ruled out foul play pretty quickly. And then it was also suggested that, like, maybe he was there to rob a bank, but, like, he didn't have a bag or, like, a satchel or anything. So if he was going to rob them, like, it's not like he was going to get money, put it in a bag, like, you know, so that didn't seem like that was a plan that was going to go down either. This is giving me Santa Claus vibes. Uh, I have a Santa joke in here. Actually, it's not a joke. It's oh, just a- Nika. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> my joke. My one joke. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Say your joke. Say your joke. Okay, no, no, no. Um, so I, I think, honestly, it just seems likely that he climbed in. Maybe as like a place to stay. I don't know. It got stuck. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Okay. No, no, no. Do I it. mean, it's not. Um, I don't think I can get through it. Okay. So, okay, so I think he just, like, got stuck. Chimneys, like, kind of, like, taper in towards the bottom. So I imagine he, like, just got stuck. And I guess he didn't have Santa powers. (laughs) (laughs) Taylor, that's great. That's a great joke. (laughs) Well, Santa probably doesn't have any bones, if you think about how he gets in and out of a chimney. You know, how does he die? He just, he's boneless. He's just some goo. He's magical. No, Ew. he's just a goo thing. He looks like That's a slug. That's disgusting, Gabby. That's gross. I would. I just pictured bear chicken, like a bear chicken breast. Like that's Santa. Slap him. Slap that no, bear Santa a, chicken. <laughs> he's a How slug. How dare you do that to Santa? I have always known that Santa wasn't real. Always. What? When I grew up. Yes. <laughs> Shit. Growing up in Colombia, they don't teach you about Santa. They teach you about um, baby Jesus. So instead of teaching us about an old, fat, white man climbing into our homes, they tell us that infant Jesus climbs into our home <laughs> as an infant so and gives us all of our presents and then leaves. 
We don't know how he gets there. We don't know how he goes. What a capable infant. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I grew up with. So, like, I would be in, in the playground, and then I'd be like, Santa's isn't real. And they'd be like, well, neither is Jesus. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, would you rather have a creepy fat man in your house or a random ass baby? Oh, that's Ooh. a good question. I hate that. I mean, a baby, Random I babies. Say. But no, because random babies mean usually possession. And yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mess with that. Like if you accidentally stole a baby versus being home invaded, would you rather accidentally have <laughs> stolen a baby or have your home invaded while you're there? Okay. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> I meant possession as in like spiritual possession. I'm fine oh. with stealing a baby. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I draw the line at spirits. Okay, this, like, a definitely baby, shows not. how different the two of you are right there. So it's Nico's like, would you rather like, have a possessed baby or accidentally possessed a baby? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay, well, okay. So assuming he did get stuck, this probably happened pretty quickly and died like you can only live so many days without food and water. Um, mm-hmm. And so employees who were working there at the time, they never really reported any signs of screaming or anything. And unfortunately, the way chimneys work is they shoot up into the sky, you know, towards our balloon cluster balloonists. Um, so unless mm. there was a cluster balloonist going on, you know, nobody could hear him because it was away from where people are on the land, you know? So Damn, that sounds a terrible way to die. He just So he just wasted away. He just, yeah, he found himself in a very tight spot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so he literally just wasted away in that i'm sorry i missed that joke did you just say tight spot yeah yep taylor that is insane that is actually a really funny joke and i couldn't re- and i didn't like i registered it too late in my brain wait so did his family recognize his clothes or something no they did a dna test i mean he also had i mean they th- that's how they figured out who he was is because of dna but he also did have his underwear with his name in it his birth certificate and social security card and presumably like a, some sort of license as well. Um, I'm going to need everyone to start stitching their name in their underwear just in case. What's the resolution with the chimney? So they discovered it was him and then. So basically they just at this point, they like the family was like, OK, there's you know, there's he kind of did his own thing anyway. They're, they've kind of come to peace with the fact that they're never really going to know what happened, but they have been able to bury his remains, which everybody is very, you know, um, has closure with that. So the family misses him, but, you know, it happens. Good for them. It does it, happen. Yes, this so. specifically happens. All the time. <laughs> it happens sometimes. All the time. Okay, well, this was a wonderful <laughs> episode of Cadaver Gals. Um, was it? Thank you. <laughs> you, know, you know, was it? We will... Talk to you all next week. Hope you have a wonderful weekend or week, ever it is that you're doing. Bye. Stay hydrated. Bye. Cadaver Gals. Cadaver Gals is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. Cadaver Gals is produced, written, edited, and mixed by the three of us, Gabby Watts, Nika Duarte, and Taylor Church. We also have some EPs, not sure how they want to be credited, but don't you worry, they're three white dudes. 
You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Cadaver Gals. 